Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I am Jason, a guy who is super forgiving. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. No, I don't know that I'm actually super forgiving. I'm <laughs> just... Uh, topics forgiveness, right? The spiritual principle of forgiveness. That's where we're going today. And before we get there, this is our 150th episode. Wow. Which seems like a landmark of some sort. Feels like a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It is a lot. I mean, when you think about it, like just hours and hours and hours of yapping. <laughs> we like to talk. Yes. And we also uh, hit another milestone. We have 40,000 listens wow. to our podcast episodes altogether as a whole. So I don't know what the numbers are. Don't go dividing. That's probably not <laughs> right. probably not enough probably to not sound so good. Great. Right. But it's pretty awesome. Yeah, Feels good. That's amazing. Uh, wow. 40,000 like sounds like a lot. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, we do have some more recap stuff. We'll get to that in the next episode. I, I feel like our tradition episodes right now are, are the most like they're the way we get found when people find us through search hmm. maybe so necessarily people that don't just stumble across us through looking for a recovery podcast or you know people who don't find us through memes or on the web or whatever they find us through tradition searches which is fascinating so i'm wondering yeah. if maybe the principles do that at some point and if that's the case maybe we need to be on top of just getting into the material <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. People come on to listen to forgiveness and hear about, you know, people who've donated and all that. They might be like, what the hell? Well, is they probably going listen on? to our traditions episodes and realize we're as bad as fucking world services or any of those other places <laughs> where you're never going to find a straight answer. You're going to find like, huh, yeah. you're really up for interpretation and somewhere in the middle. <laughs> right, right. Make up whatever the fuck middle you path, want. It's perfect. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> forgiveness, man. I, I went to look this up. And of course, uh, with any word that has some suffix added to it such as forgiveness uh the definition is the act of forgiving which is useless <laughs> it doesn't tell you anything so if you look up forgive as a base word the definition is to cease to feel resentment against which is i mean i guess what i think of when i think of forgiveness i, I to me it seems like more like almost forgiveness is like going beyond just letting it go like that's kind of the forgetting part to me and forgiveness is more like the, I actually wish good things for your life at this point. So interesting, when I was reading up on forgiveness, that seems to be a major debate amongst huh. people that consider themselves forgiveness experts. When I saw that word, I'm like, <laughs> forgiveness Who the fuck, yeah, how do you qualify as a forgiveness expert? Right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that seems to be a debate amongst them. And different religions have a different interpretation. Some are just like becoming at peace with this past harm and others are like you said moving to a place of i forget how they worded it but it's like well wishing or, or good feelings towards mm. the person that harmed you like that's a part of forgiveness yeah i'm not there i'm more the first school or like <laughs> making peace with the past you know i don't i don't know i feel like if there's still a blockage for me that keeps me from having and i like the way you said it like kind of that keeps me from having this positive vibe towards someone 
I feel like to me that means there's still something in there that, yeah. that isn't really past it. And it, I mean, I'd only ever thought of it the the first way. I had mm. never really thought of it d- deeply enough to include that second piece of that, you know, good vibe piece. And it has me thinking recently about some things that I felt like from my past, you know, my childhood abuses and, you know, the abuse that happened with my kids and the mm-hmm. person that harmed them and that. And I'm like, huh, have I really, you know, fully forgiven? I mean, I've made peace with that stuff where I can talk about it and, and right. it doesn't like haunt my dream, so to speak, anymore. It doesn't bring me to like an overwhelming place of like sadness and depression. But I don't think I have well wishes towards any of those people, you know. Right. There's still some anger and resentment there, I guess. But, yeah, so. Hmm. So that's interesting. So I guess uh, from the start, we don't agree on what forgiveness <laughs> is, <laughs> which is funny. So, and, and again, I, I know we said this in one of our other spiritual principle episodes, but just this idea. And, and I get that you and Jenny kind of, you kind of sold me on the you know, maybe it's a loose interpretation or not specifically designed in our literature for a purpose. That makes sense. But it does. I don't know. It just feels so weird to me that I've spent so long studying like the literature and trying to learn the way of recovery through the 12 step program. And looking at it now, I'm like, why the fuck didn't they ever teach me how to do any of this? (laughs) And I mean, we just did a little search through some of our literature for the word forgive or forgiveness or forgiving. And like the best case scenario of the information it gives is basically, uh, you know, talk to Sky Daddy and he'll help you. And I think that is a challenge in any sort of 12-step fellowship or spiritual program that's trying to teach you about these principles, so much of it is going to be based on your religious beliefs or whatever your spiritual practices are. And like, say for me, what prayer means to me, because I am a person, I would say that I pray, but I don't pray in the traditional sense that like a Christian or someone who's religious, when they pray, that's very different, you know, what they're the way that we do it and I think what our expectations are and what we think that process is. So I think with some of these spiritual principles, it's similar. Like Mm. the way that I might practice forgiveness, you know, not to be religious hating, but it has nothing to do with trying to get to heaven or trying to score a couple more good points on my sheet for God. Like (laughs) it's, it's really a very, very personal process for me that has to do with healing my heart. You know, healing what's in me and allowing me to move forward in my life, not trying to score points with God. Right. I read a a book about forgiveness at one point, not for any specific reason. Like I wasn't searching for forgiveness. I just happened to come across it. Uh, It was written by one of the people who was a part of the like ending of apartheid in South Africa. And so I I guess if you were going to say who qualifies for you know, the the expert in forgiveness designation, I would say the people who dealt with apartheid and then at the end of it decided they didn't want retribution, right? They they really wanted a healing path to the community, which was kind of amazing. And if you read the book, like the atrocities that the people had gone through during this, this racist period, uh, if you don't know much about apartheid, it's like slavery light i guess yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like it's pretty rough and pretty Dead bad servitude sort of <laughs> yeah it's basically like this group of people that looks like this is never going to be equal and we're just going to constantly treat them like they're not and they're going to be separate you know it's kind of like the separate but equal the whole 
Plessy versus Ferguson uh, Supreme Court ruling. And it was ugly in a lot of like graphically terrible ways. But the idea that the people who went through this, even the family members of people who atrocities were committed against, still wanted this forgiveness and reconciliation of the community was mind blowing. Um, and he lays out a, a four step path to how to forgive, right? And it, I don't remember it step by step, but it was basically like the process of writing down all the real harm and, you know, coming to terms with. Um, you can't change it, like the acceptance piece of it. And then there was a piece of like, one of the steps was deciding whether this person would be in your life anymore or not. And there was no designation of whether they had to be, but whether they were or not, his version of forgiveness definitely came with the well-wishing vibe at the end. And I, I don't know, I guess that's just what I've always thought of forgiveness. But it's interesting to hear that like your take is that there's a level of forgiveness that it doesn't matter anything about them. It's just more about, I'm not going to, sit in the resentment yeah and i would say because of recovery for me though hearing that there's that second piece is has really causing me to go back and revisit and relook at like huh is there you know maybe there's a lot of value in that you know little second piece of finding that well wishing or whatever you call it you know like that good vibes like maybe there's something to that and i need to do a little more work. I guess maybe that's why in 12 steps we keep going back over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the only real quotes that I found in any of our literature that I felt could possibly have some meaning uh, came from the It Works How and Why. It said, our ability to forgive comes from our ability to accept and be compassionate with ourselves. And that was interesting in the sense that it made me wonder is that like where our level of forgiveness is tied into? Like, is this less about working on being better and forgiving and more about working on acceptance and self-compassion? And as those grow, our ability to forgive grows in turn. I think the second, like as we build those other skills, our ability, you know, or I'm sorry, forgiveness as a principle, I think really formally comes up in the ninth step. You know, that's where we first start talking about right. it. But we're working slowly towards all of that, you know, from mm -hmm. the earlier steps. We're looking at our past. We're looking at, you know, our defects of character. We're learning to change our behaviors. And I think by the time we get there, we build up some self-love, some self-worth, some self-respect. We can look at ourselves honestly and say, hey, you know, I'm not all good or all bad. I'm somewhere in between. I'm a person that's made some mistakes. Um, I'm trying to take some responsibility for my behavior and my mistakes. And I hope that people won't judge me based on these bad things that I've done, but at least give me the opportunity, you know, to look at me as a whole or maybe even look at me as what I'm doing now. And that is a foundation for forgiveness of ourselves. And then once we start to love ourselves and when we've, forgive ourselves then we can apply that towards other people oh those people caused me harm eh, they're probably not all terrible people they might have just made a mistake or had mm -hmm. a bad day or whatever it wasn't you know my intentions behind my mistakes weren't solely to be like fuck jason i'm gonna do whatever <laughs> i can to destroy his life and hurt him and do whatever right. else it was like 
I'm trying to get high, and he's got a fucking VCR, so, oops, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Is it terrible that when you were saying, like, we weren't out to hurt other people, the first thing in my mind, when you described that situation, like, it's not like, fuck Jason, uh, my version was like, Jason just had a hot wife, and she came on to me. What the (laughs) fuck? Like, (laughs) wasn't out to get him. What was I supposed to do? God, that says something about me. I'm sure it does. No, but uh, my experience with most of the, the spiritual principles has been, you know, in recovery. Like, first we learn about them because and maybe it's by design. Maybe it's just because we're self-centered, you know, by nature. It's like I learn how they apply to me and in my life and what it looks like for me. And then once I learn about that principle and what it feels like to, to practice it and how to apply it to myself, then I see how to apply that to other people. Right, right. And this this might be just recapping in an extent or saying a different way what you had just explained a minute ago. Um, but I, I think it's so relevant. Like, yeah, I do pick apart or, or have my beefs with the 12-step community. But one of the things that I truly do think works exceptionally well is the layout of the order of the steps, right? I think they, they have this kind of rolling uh, cumulative effect. And, and like you were describing, it's almost in six in writing those character defects of mine out if i have that ability to find some kind of self-compassion right that that whole uh and and it's not the greatest cliche but uh by the grace of god there go i right or but for the grace of god like that's what i kind of find in six and seven is this oh shit i hurt people and i'm a dick sometimes and like finding that ability to have compassion for me in those faults and flaws really sets me up for the perfect position to work on allowing others to have their faults and flaws in eight and nine, you know, and not feel so, not worry so much about what they did to me, just worry about trying to repair my harms. And it's like through that process, it becomes easier to forgive others too, because I see all the times I've done it and haven't meant to. Like it hasn't been to get out to get people or out to do this, but I've still hurt people along the way anyway. Right. And for most of us, you know, at least for me and my active addiction, I was sort of baffled and confused a lot of times by why I did what I did. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't feel like this evil, horrible person that like hated my family, but yet I kept hurting my family over yes. and over again and being like, fuck, man. Why do I keep doing this? <laughs> like, you know, and I was like to talk about baffled and confused by my own fucking actions and decisions in the moment. You know, and once I realized it's like, oh, because you have, you know, these defects and you have this, you know, compulsion and, and whatever, you know, I can see that in myself. I can see how that plays out myself. I can give other people that space as well. Yeah. So there's a there's a few good uh, articles on websites that I came across. I, I guess we'll just start with one and see what we can learn about this. Um, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness means different things to different people. Generally, however, it involves a decision to let go of resentment and thoughts of revenge. So that's kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, I think. Like, that doesn't specifically go into, oh, we have to feel well wishes towards these people it's like we we need to stop living the resentment and having those thoughts that are plaguing us about revenge like more about the the taking care of me portion of forgiveness because i do maybe this is something that needs to be said i think a lot of times and, and i think they mentioned it in the book that i read about forgiveness it was talking about we hold on to these things because we somehow feel like 
if I let go of what that person did to me, they're now off the hook and free mm. to live happily almost. But we're not actually making them miserable by not <laughs> forgiving them. We're making right. us miserable, right? That old idea of uh, I'm sitting here swallowing poison waiting for you to die. Yeah, and you know, one of my biggest forgiveness situations was, you know, being molested as a kid. And in holding on to that stuff, there was also a lot of like guilt and shame and embarrassment that was all sort of tied in there, you know, that I, I didn't know how to let go of. And it wasn't until I practiced forgiveness, which was totally contrary to what my brain would tell me, like, you know, I need to hang on to this wrong. I need to feel, you know, angry and the world's out to get me and all that stuff. Um, but it wasn't until I was able to let go of some of that that I was able to sort of give myself a little space to heal. Mm. You know, it was like in forgiving and letting go of that resentment, I also gave myself some space. Right. Uh, it says the act that hurt or offended you might always be with you. But forgiveness can lessen its grip on you and help free you from the control of the person who harmed you. And that's something I don't think we realize either. Like when we're in this mode of holding on to this resentment against someone or, or you know, I'm never going to let them live it down. They're always going to be a terrible person for this one thing they did one time. We forget that, like, we're the ones kind of imprisoned by that, right? <laughs> right. We might, it might be like, oh, there's a NA kickball today. Oh, Bruce is going? Oh, fuck that. I ain't going there. Right? Like, <laughs> right. who's missing out on the kickball? <laughs> right. And it reminds me of one of those readings we had in uh, NA just for today. Reading was about our resentments and carrying them like a sack of rocks, you know? And oh, yeah. it's like, you know, every resentment we throw this rock in the bag and before we know it you know we're carrying this whole bag of boulders and right. we're the only one you know <laughs> none of those people are carrying any of that shit they probably don't even remember it but here i am carrying this big sack of boulders around you know right. feeling justified <laughs> in all my hard work oh yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> so what are the benefits of forgiveness uh you know science has tried to study this um so far what they believe they have found through a variety of studies that if you are able to forgive and not hold on to these things, you have healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility. That sounds like improved mental health. Uh, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression. That, again, sounds like improved mental health. <laughs> A stronger immune system, improved heart health, and improved self-esteem. So that's some pretty big things. I mean, I feel like we all suffer from a lot of those. Yeah, that was one of the interesting things I had came across as well was that there are actual like physical health benefits to forgiveness. So and it's a lot easier to find all the uh research they've done on how like negative attitude and resentment and anger like how those things affect our health. So it should be easy to figure out that the opposite of those <laughs> things would have improved mental health outcome or you know improved health outcomes right right we don't sometimes we don't take into account the opposites <laughs> <laughs> right. but one thing i did want to touch on so oh, yeah you know we talk about resentments and like what is a resentment and i think this for me has always helped more than just remembering a thing because 
I can think about like when I was abused or when my kids were abused and it can make me sad and that's okay. Like it was a fucking traumatic thing, you know, and, and there is some sadness there. But for me, the resentment part was like the, the reliving of that, Mm -hmm. the being so caught up and consumed in it that I feel like it just happened, even though it was a long time ago Mm -hmm. and then feeling like decisions in the way that I'm living now, you know, is based off this old information you know like oh my god i was in this situation as a kid and i was you know hurt and abused and i'm never going to put myself in any situation that i'm going to be vulnerable again and then having an immense amount of fear whenever i'm in a situation that i feel like i could be like physically overpowered or physically outnumbered to the point that it gives me anxiety and like all that shit and that's Mm -hmm. you know it's like reliving that past trauma over and over again fucking 30 years later as a grown man um forgiveness has has helped to counter some of that to mm-hmm. not be caught up in that so you remind me of a of a story an actual good analogy <laughs> for this uh i was i don't know maybe 16 i think dating my my first love uh in high school and you know i don't know if you guys as people who struggle with uh substance use had really toxic chaotic fucking crazy relationships <laughs> but like me but uh you know, we were on one of our many breaks um, where we weren't getting along and things weren't working, but we couldn't figure out how to separate. And she had had another guy over her house and apparently her younger brother had like an N64. And so her and this other dude were playing N64. Yeah, they were playing N64 in the basement, <laughs> maybe. Um, but from then on, when we got back together, I would never play that with her. Like for some reason, there was some anger or hurt about her doing it with someone else first. And I was like, I will just never participate in this. Somehow that felt like being allegiant to myself, right? <laughs> like, I'll never, we'll never. I have never played a fucking N64, Billy. <laughs> never. Not once. And, like, I probably would have gotten a lot of enjoyment out of that. Like, we probably could have played some Mario together mm-hmm. and really, you know, had fun. But I was stuck in that inability to forgive what had happened, right? That hurt. And I felt like somehow it was like, you know, betraying myself if I would have played it somehow. Hmm. And that was, I just couldn't get out of that. Yeah. It's like we, yeah, that idea that we are willing to harm ourselves, <laughs> you know, cause, cause more harm to ourselves than to just let it go and move right. forward. It's weird. I see it in my eight-year-old too. Like he's a, he's a self, I don't know, self-harmer to an extent. Like he does the thing I would always do, right? If he's upset and something just happened and he's not allowed to do the thing he wanted to do, well, now I'm not going to eat dinner. Well, we're going to McDonald's, buddy. You're going to have your favorite chicken nuggets. I don't want any. And it's like <laughs> that whole, like, I'll starve all night just right. to prove to, my point. To right. show you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, right. it's so easy to see in him, but I've done that my whole life. And I'm like, does that come from genes? Sure, I probably Is did that, that yesterday. <laughs> right? Is that genetics? Or like, right. did he get that from me? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Well, I, I mean, I always go back to, I think it's the opposite. I think as addicts, like we never outgrow that self-centeredness of the child. Like mm. hopefully in a normal upbringing somewhere along the way, you realize, oh shit. I'm hurting myself more than I'm hurting anyone else. Like, this is kind of stupid. Right, like, right. You know, but as addicts, we never outgrow that self-centeredness. It's like, I'll show you, you know. It's crazy. though. But yeah. yeah, those stories, I think, clearly illustrate, like, the downfalls of not being able to forgive, man. I, I was the one, and my son in that situation, we're the ones hurting. 
Like we're the ones missing out on a good time. It's not the other people that we're not forgiving that are really hurt by it. They're eating or playing N64 or whatever the hell they're doing. Yeah. And even when you think about like those, those opposites of forgiveness, you know, revengeance or vengeance, you know, any of that stuff. Like when I think of those, all I think about are negative feelings and negative emotions attached to any of that. You know, it's, Hmm. there's not like, I mean, Maybe there's a sense of standing up for myself that might be in there a little bit. But even when I think of like revenge or any of that, there's nothing that feels very good or warm about those mm-hmm. types of actions. Whereas forgiveness, even though it's difficult, it it feels better. Like it when I think of what's associated with that, like it's all more positive things. I, I bet people don't sit around thinking that they want revenge though because that does feel kind of evil i bet they're like hung up on this avenge kind of idea like that sounds like glorified right we even have heroes the avengers right (laughs) right Right? that sounds like a positive i'm going to avenge somebody's wrongdoing you know not i'm gonna revenge like that's evil and dark but avenge Mm -hmm. sounds like you know that's what you do (laughs) and maybe it's just this is a little bit of a parsing of words and so i will say that most people that say they want you know to avenge really want revenge and the difference of the two words is to revenge is to have like more i forget how i'm not more than this terribly but it's like the response is greater than the harm that was caused Mm. so like if you you know hurt me and stole something from me well now i want to cut off your hand <laughs> you right know? Like, right you know i want to break all your fingers so that you can't steal again and hmm. vengeance has more to do with like an equaling of like i'm going to you know try to make right or not make right cuz that's something different but i'm going to get back an equal amount hmm. and i think most of the time we want revenge it just sounds better to say that we're avenging our oh own. absolutely <laughs> like, absolutely yeah no, I'm totally with you. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the people out there that want to avenge a situation are. No. Yeah, it just sounds. I nice. want revenge oh, most yeah. of the time. Yeah, I want them to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> Severe die. harm, so that they know the next time they think about that <laughs> shit, they're gonna know. <laughs> right. Right. You know. So, what are the effects of holding a grudge? Which I guess is what they're laying out as the opposite of forgiveness. Holding a grudge, maybe resentment. It says you will probably bring anger and bitterness into every relationship and new experience. Uh, you will become so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't enjoy the present. You can get, become depressed or anxious, can feel that your life lacks meaning or purpose so that you're at odds with your spiritual beliefs uh, and lose value, valuable and enriching connectedness with others, which, yeah, I could see that like. Say I'm holding on to this N64 thing still, which I'm not, by the way. I will totally play it if it ever comes across my radar. But I could be on a vacation with my family, just enjoying life. We rented an Airbnb, and the next thing I know, I walk in, and my kids got an N64 that happened to be in their living room. And now I'm fucking miserable all night because I'm not going to play it and enjoy that with them, right? Like, that could still be impacting my life. I could be losing out on things. And I know that's a kind of a silly one to say, but I, I, I would think we've all got that thing. Right. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just weird, but maybe we all have that thing that, you know, if we run into it or encounter that situation again, that looks familiar enough in whatever way. And, you know, we talked about this in like polyvagal theory on that episode 
we don't always consciously know that this shit is happening. You could be smelling the cologne of the person that assaulted you 30 years ago and have no mental recollection of that, but it could just set you off into this place of, you know, feeling resentful or hurt or not being able to be present and enjoy yourself. Yeah, or if you've been harmed in either a current or a past relationship with a significant other, maybe you, you know, expressed a lot of vulnerability or, you know, really committed to that relationship and then that person hurt you or cheated on you. Well, then in future relationships, you got, you know, these walls up and these defenses mm -hmm. up and you don't even really know why they're just there. Like that's your defense now, because well, I was in this relationship 20 years ago and this familiar space of vulnerability and all that and i was hurt really bad so i'm not going to let that happen again mm -hmm. you know so now every relationship i'm like guarded and independent and you know want to keep a piece of me that i'm not willing to share yeah yeah i could picture that especially in some of my you know more jealous moments in relationships right like I, i'm hurt by somebody from the past or just from the past in general so here i am now i got cameras on our house to <laughs> right. protect my family but really like maybe i'm just trying to keep an eye on who's coming and going from the house and when so i don't get hurt yeah and like you said it, it feels natural like it's there we're not like i'm not consciously making those decisions mm -hmm. they're they're so deep in there that i don't even recognize it unless i want to dig a little bit right right it's you know there's a statement somewhere in our literature it says and this is not a quote because i suck at that but <laughs> It's hard to re recognize when we're wrong because we usually intend to be right. And I just find that quote to be so profound to me because it's like, if I'm not looking for where I'm possibly going wrong, I am just assuming that everything I'm doing is fine and that everyone else is the problem. And I, I just, I don't think many of us actually go through our days like that, like looking for, huh, could it be me? I didn't for a long time in my life, so I'm just imagining that most people don't. Yeah, and and I guess I try to do that more now when I'm in, you know, whatever situations. Like, what is my part in this? What right. What is my part? And if I can identify that, I can see, am I the problem here? Right, <laughs> like, right. Am I the problem here? Because I'm the common denominator in most of the issues in my life. And I'm not always the problem, but right. sometimes I am. Well, and I, I will say more often what I find, it's less like, am I the problem or is it this other person? It's more like, where is my stuff contributing to this way that me and this other person mm. are having this problem? Because it's usually some of my past that's interacting with some of their past and now <laughs> right. we're butting heads over it, right? right? It's usually not like one person's shining brightly <laughs> and, you know, f descending from heaven with their great information and the other one's an asshole. Like, right. it's usually somewhere in the middle. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. But yeah, I think as, as addicts, we don't, at least for whatever our upbringing, most of us don't learn good 
coping skills to cope with past harms and and yeah. past things that were done wrong to us and like for me my default always was like well either i suck or god hates me and that was you know a major part of my hang up with religion has to do with most of my life looking at this you know god that i was raised with and thinking that that was to blame for all this bad stuff that was happening to me. And some of it was just bad things that happened in life. And some of it was my own behavior that I wasn't even taking responsibility for. Right. And, uh, you know, keeping that resentment, you know, with God has, I, I guess, to some people's, you know, point of view would put me where I'm at now, where I don't really have a strong belief in God. <laughs> right. But I still work on it, you know. Is that because you can't forgive him? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's possible, but. <laughs> huh. You don't think it's possible to forgive God? Because you don't believe in God? Yeah. Is that what you mean? It's like oh, forgiving okay. Santa Claus. You uh, know? How do you forgive Santa Claus for not giving you something at Christmas? Hmm. How do you forgive Santa <laughs> Claus for not giving you something at Christmas? But even that, there you go. That could be another good resentment that people, you know, that people carry about, you Santa know, Claus? holidays or things like that. <laughs> Fuck Santa Claus. Yeah. Um. Well, here's how you do it. How do I reach a state of forgiveness? It's the next thing I'm going to oh, read to perfect. you. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, forgiveness is a commitment to a personalized process of change. Actually, before I even say this, I wanted to touch on something you just said that was, I, I don't remember forgiveness being a thing that was talked about in my family. Like when I was growing up, I can't picture instances of like my parents you know, having a conflict with somebody in the neighborhood or one of their friends hurt them. And then I was, you know, one, they probably wouldn't have talked about that shit around me because I was a kid. And if their friends had hurt them, I'm sure that was an adult topic. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, But two, like it was just never, I was never aware of any conflict that they had to forgive except between the two of them. And that was like sketchy as yeah. hell. Like that kind of forgiveness was like, We'll be miserable and not talk for a few days, and then you know yeah, maybe somebody apologizes, <laughs> right? And then it kind of fades away until the next time it comes up, the same shit. So yeah, and I was raised, you know, I went to Catholic school, and they talked about forgiveness, and it was this great quality that Jesus exhibited. Like but turning I turning the other cheek, yeah, and it, but I didn't see a lot of that going on. You know, if there was a wrong, there was always a you know it needed to be righted. And that if you did something wrong in school, like the nuns were correcting you, there wasn't, you they know, forgiving. It didn't feel very forgiving. <laughs> you know, it was a lot of teaching lessons on how to not do that anymore. Right. And, you know, those are things that I grew up doing. Like, oh, you wronged me. Well, I'm going to show you why you should never do that again. You know, <laughs> I I guess for me, as much as I love the stories of Jesus, I mean, I that one bothers me. Like, I don't think. If somebody hits me, that forgiveness involves me turning the other cheek to let them hit me again <laughs> at all. Like, I, I I get maybe the context underneath of that of, like, this idea of even if someone hurts me, I still want to remain open-hearted to the world. Like, I kind of think that's the message they're sort of trying to give, like, to still stay vulnerable and open to people. Yeah, and I think... That lesson is more about forgiveness. It's the idea that, you know, and I can't remember the exact parables in the Bible that talk about it, but it's like if someone takes something from you, you know, that's because they needed it more than you did, that sort of idea. I don't think that means you just allow people to steal from you. I think what the lessons there that are trying to be taught is that, hey, look, 
you know, if someone hurts you, you don't need to hurt them back. You don't need to go after them, you know, keep yourself vulnerable, keep yourself in a position of, and when I say vulnerable, I mean emotionally and spiritually, not physically, but, you know, don't allow these harms to harden you or change you into something else, Mm. you know, that there's value in being open-hearted and serving of others and compassionate and caring and loving. Like there's a lot of value in those things. I think there's some good stuff in the Bible. We've just fucked it all up with our human interventions. <laughs> right, right. So I like it better as an idea of, like, instead of just, oh, I'll turn them the other cheek to punch me again, <laughs> more right. of this idea of, like, instead of closing off to the world and, like, dropping to the ground and just going into a protection mode, staying open to, the yeah. to you know, whatever's coming next. I like it more as as that but one of the things you reminded me of uh when i was reading up on forgiveness was that uh they say in in men actually in our society now that this idea of forgiveness is almost frowned upon or almost looked Mm. at as a weakness due to our cultural upbringing you know that we don't honor it in as a masculine value probably Mm. as much as we should and that you know, that makes it a little more difficult for men to practice forgiveness than it does for women. Yeah, like it's a weakness. Yeah. It's definitely viewed as a weakness for, for men, unfortunately. Um, so back to how do we reach it? Uh, first, recognize the value of forgiveness and how it can improve your life, which I guess is what we're doing today. We're recognizing <laughs> that it has some health benefits. Identify what needs healing and who needs to be forgiven for what. And I think that was also a part of that book I read. That was the first step in writing down the harm. It was like clarifying what harm was done specifically and by whom. And I think that's in our step process. That's what we're doing. You know what I mean? We're doing that eight step. We're writing out these harms. (laughs) Right. It's. I guess that's a little bit of like the backwards process to what we're talking about, though. Like, because that's about us attempting the process of fixing the wrongs we've done so it's kind of like acknowledging the exact harms that we've done and then going to try to approach them and and you know the restitution and the reparation for that i don't know it's interesting so i guess uh this forgiveness topic i've just come at it from thinking about us forgiving other people i wasn't even thinking about the process of how we go about being on the side of asking for forgiveness or at least owning our wrongs yeah, and I, for me, the way the steps have always been, it's like tools for teaching me skills. You know what I mean? Like, so now through this process of writing out harms I've caused and looking at what the harm actually was and, you know, not just being like, well, that hurt my feelings, so fuck you, you know, like really putting some thought behind it, you know, right. really putting some meaning behind, you know, what happened here and should I feel the way that I feel and is that okay? Like <laughs> is it, you know, or is my reaction totally ridiculous and and whatever and then making appropriate decisions going forward based off that. But by having it like formally laid out like okay, let's look at the harms that you caused. Let's look at, you know, what you did and what you thought and why you did it and then how do we fix it? You know, all that stuff. That becomes a skill that I have now that I can hopefully apply both ways to myself and to others. Hmm. That's interesting because I I guess in my mind, there's really no step that I guess maybe the process of four and five is kind of addressing some of the wrongs that were done to me a little bit. Like we're sort of looking at the different pieces, even if it's just at that point, 
Is that step 14 therapy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go to therapy, step 14. That's what everybody needs. No, I'm just, I mean, so I think in four, we do address the harms that others have done to us, but it's not necessarily from a standpoint of healing them. It's more from like, let's sort them out. Like, let's sort out what harm was done to me from what I've been contributing to the harm done to myself, right? It's more right. about learning about us. So maybe we do need like a some kind of step process to get better at forgiving other people because I have never naturally thought, hmm, eight and nine, yep, that makes that means I can forgive other people too. Like it just never occurred to me. Huh. I mean, I think it kind of sort of happened over the process of six through nine and seeing how flawed I am. It became easier to have that compassion for other people as I needed it for myself. But there was never like a step that was like, hey, yeah, you should. Maybe you should write down all these people you hold resentments against and think about them, except for. I've found in the step process, most of the principles, like they grow into these tools that I apply in my life, not just to myself, but to other mm. people. So, yeah, I don't know. I've just found that it's worked that way. Interesting. I'm trying to think specific. Yeah, I can't specifically say what changed that or how that worked. <laughs> well, and I'm thinking right now, like, and this is just a first take on it because I've never really thought about it, but just this idea that if there isn't a step that specifically gives us the ability to kind of address where we've been wronged and, and people that have hurt us and have someone hear us and validate that for us and, you know what I mean, provide compassion to us around, I, I feel like that's kind of a glaring hole in our fucking step process. I've heard people say a lot of that happens in four and five. Um, it's not, I guess, specifically outlined. I guess in the step working guide, it has some stuff in NA. They have the step working guide that outlines harms and what your beliefs were and that yeah, sort the, of thing. The, there's the resentments list. Yeah, there's that's a resentment sure. section. I, I guess... I've never looked at that as like, I've looked at that as, oh, I have these resentments and I need to get rid of them so that I can get over them. But it's never felt like a process of like, I need to actually deal with the pain from them or the hurt that those people caused me. It was more just, I need to find a way to let it go so I can move on. Hmm. And that's interesting. Like, maybe that was my first part of the forgiveness process like you're talking about, right? Like, it was more about... Just kind of letting it go, accepting it, and getting it out of my mind so that I could move forward. But it was not about really healing, which I feel like is what needs to be there. And maybe for some people it is, and I just missed that portion of it. Yeah. Well, we all carry some shit, I guess, from our childhood or from harms that we've caused that I think everyone gets stuck with, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like in some way or another. Right. You know? No, I could totally see that. That's interesting. Uh, back to the, the reach in the state of forgiveness. So recognizing the value, identifying what needs healing, uh, consider joining a support group or seeking a counselor. There you go. Step 14. <laughs> um, acknowledge your emotions about the harm done to you and how they affect your behavior and work to release them. That's the part I feel like we were just talking about that I don't think I did in the step process. It, I didn't feel like it was about acknowledging my emotions about the harm and that's interesting that i never really thought about that or, or i wasn't really thinking about how it affected my behavior in the present a ton either a hmm. little bit maybe yeah i don't know that i've thought much about that mm -hmm. we need huh. step 4.5 <laughs> yeah <laughs> we need to rewrite the step working guide we'll just 
include some stuff in there. <laughs> but I, I do believe as going through the steps after the first time that some of that stuff is in there a little more. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking back to it now, and I'm like, I don't know that I remember it perfectly from when I went through it. Maybe I did feel some of this shit, and it was just, yeah. I don't remember. I don't know. You'll love the next one, though. It says, choose to forgive the person who's offended you. There you go. Yeah. It's just a decision. <laughs> it, just make yeah. up your mind. Yeah, I mean, for myself, that's kind of been it at times. You know, mm -hmm. there's been times where, especially with the guy that, you know, molested our kids, it's like I have to remind myself like that was a decision that I made that I'm not going to sit here and dwell in this and let it get me fucking angry and mm. resentful and bitter. And we're just not I'm not allowing myself to go here. I'm going to do something else. Almost like an obsessive thought that I would have around using. You know, right. I have some tools now. What can I do? I can call somebody. I can talk about it. I can you know, some some choices that I have that I don't have to just sit here stuck in my fucking thoughts because that's what my brain's telling me to do. And and that's interesting. So I agree with you on that part. Like, I feel like that's what meditation and a lot of the meditation practices that have been given to me are about. They're about, you know, hey, there's a thought. Oh, that's an interesting one. Okay. I'm not going to follow it, though. Right. right. I don't have to do anything with it. It was just an interesting one to watch. And now it's floating away. Now right. here's the next one. Um, so I do agree with that. And yet at the same time, I'm noticing that every time you present the way to do something as just making a decision, I'm always like, that is not how, that is definitely not how it fucking works for me. <laughs> like it is definitely never just, I just make up my mind. And, and I feel like it's almost like when people come to see, get therapy and like we we always had this running joke of like you know somebody will present this problem and then the the solution is always just oh well just stop being anxious about that <laughs> just decide you're done with that right like that's never been the the thing that I felt like worked just just deciding to stop huh. I'm like if it still fucking hurts me inside I don't feel like I have that choice to decide to stop. The, so I can get a little bit into my process. I don't know how it works for other people. For me. Doing some real work on the issue and coming to the point of forgiveness and letting go wasn't just making a decision. Mm. There was some active work that went into that, like looking at all these things that we've talked about here. Well, how is hanging on – and in the case with you know the, the molestation of my kids, like that was a long process of like two – roughly two years of my life that I was fucking angry and bitter and I hated God and I didn't want to participate in recovery because I had all these ideas that, you know, me and my wife, you know, we're living clean. We're doing all the right things. We're raising a healthy family. We're contributing to society like we're these – valuable members of our community and we're helping people in recovery like all these good fucking things were going on in our lives and then this tragedy happens of no fault of our own you know and it just it rocked my whole foundation of what i thought you know what i believed in god and all that stuff and so there was two years of like anger and resentment that cost me a lot it cost me some relationships you know it cost me almost cost me my marriage you know just because i was angry and resentful mm -hmm. and all self-consuming and then i decided to really dig into it and fucking sit down and do some work on it and realizing like one hanging on to that resentment that's what was happening you know what i mean that fucking guy was off doing whatever he was doing living his life telling everybody what a victim he was and that it was all mm. lies and that we were making it up to destroy his life and mm. all this other shit, which just to me made it worse 
you know, for me. Right. But or or I can say it made it worse. It allowed me to justify my anger and mm. resentment, <laughs> you know, right. which kept me stuck in that whole process. But until I sit down, one, allowed myself to feel sad and hurt and all the feelings that I needed to feel around it. And then, you know, luckily we had done some things through that time. I mean, we had gotten my kid into therapy. We had went to some therapy with her at the time. She was really young. So, you know, it was hard to say how that was going to play out. We had press legal charges. So we got involved in the legal system, but then that didn't go at all how we had hoped or what you would fucking expect that it should. So there was more resentment and anger there. Um, which got heaped in on him, which really was a different resentment at the legal system, not at him. But, you know, it took some work to, like, parse all that out and look at the different pieces. And then to realize the value in letting it go and moving on with my life and not being stuck there anymore, Hmm. you know. So now when those thoughts pop up, I've worked through that process. So it's not just like one day I fucking woke up and went – okay, I'm done with this and moved (laughs) on. It was like I really did some work there. And now I have to remind myself sometimes like, oh, we've we've done some work on this. We've decided we're going to forgive and let this go. So we're not going to stay here anymore. That's so interesting because what I heard in that story, and maybe this is a joke, maybe not. (laughs) uh, It was like, you couldn't figure out how to forgive God, so now you just decided he doesn't exist. <laughs> like, that was that the solution. <laughs> yeah, right. I wonder if we could just do that with other people. Expectations on God he didn't live up to, so now yeah. he's just not my life anymore. I, I do, and, and I'm not saying that's to, totally what you did. Maybe you just yeah. reevaluated life and decided it doesn't make sense to you, which is fine. But I'm picturing that's almost kind of what some of us do, right? We have this person, they hurt us, we can't necessarily figure out how to forgive them. So we just kind of forget they exist and then we'll run into them and all those old feelings come right back up. And it's like, maybe that's the reminder for those people that they haven't actually forgiven them, that they've taken this other path of like, I've just stuffed you away and put you out of my mind to where you don't exist in my world. But how would God show up? So (laughs) to get too into the God stuff, but for myself, I don't necessarily that I don't, because I go through this with Jen, all the, my wife, all the time. I wouldn't say that I don't think that God exists. I've just had some really skewed versions of what I thought God was or how God worked. And every time I turn around, that version falls short or doesn't work. Or is I see the flaws in that, <laughs> you know, that way of thinking. And that God doesn't work for me anymore. You know, so I have to reevaluate that process and figure out what it is and so like now i actually say i'm probably more in the process of figuring out what god means and what that whole idea and concept means to me and i've just found a way to incorporate recovery in my life independent of that so that if my belief in god changes at any time the foundation of my recovery is still the same That piece stays solid because that's a piece I need is that recovery piece. The God piece can come and go and change and have some fluidity, and it's not going to rock my whole fucking recovery like it did before. Mm, I gotcha. So the the last piece is move away from your role as victim and release the control and power the offending person and situation have had in your life. So I wonder if part of 
the 12-step process that can help us move into forgiveness is that I, I think the 12 steps are about moving away from being a victim. I kind of think that's what the, the four and five process starts, like this idea of, hey, we can blame everybody else forever, but that has yet to get us any better. Like, let's start looking at how our actions contribute to this cycle that we feel stuck in. Um, so maybe that's one of the ways, like we were talking about, how does this idea present itself in the steps of forgiving other people? Yeah, and I mean, I think it is important to say, like, forgiveness and, and most of the spiritual principles, what I've learned is that they're action steps. They're not feelings. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't, like, feel forgiveness and then it makes everything better. You know, mm -hmm. like, that's not what forgiveness is. You know, with the person that molested me when I was a kid, this was a family member that I still would occasionally see, not anymore for different reasons, but... There was a point in my recovery and my healing process from all that as an adult that I actually made a conscious choice to like go to his wedding and just be there and be present as a release of that power thing that you're talking about. Like, mm. I am not going to let this fucking person hold this power over me anymore. Like, I'm just we're going to be done with this now. But it was that physical action of of just doing that mm -hmm. you know it had nothing to do with him it had nothing to do with whatever and if i would have said i couldn't make it no one would have really probably cared you know it wouldn't have right. been a big deal i could have easily blown it off but it was more something it was like symbolic for uh -huh. me to take that power back and do that and it's the same with you know the other some of the other resentments that i had like there was some action involved to come to a healing place so that forgiveness could happen. And I'm picturing sitting across from somebody doing therapy and, and them presenting this idea that there's this wedding and they could go. And it I don't think it's as clear cut as like, yes, that's the right thing to do or no, that's not the right thing to do. It's very much like, do you feel like you can go and like you said, symbolically, like find a way to enjoy yourself and sort of let go of that in the moment, like actively practice it? Because if you do, that could be a super freeing event. Yeah. If you feel like you're going to go there and not be able to let go of yeah. all that, that's probably not yeah. the thing to well, do. And before all that, so I went with my wife and we had talked about all like I had talked a lot with her about mm -hmm. this. I mean, that was kind of specifically the reasons for going. So we I did have someone that I was talking with about. It wasn't just some decision I made on my own or, right, you know, and right. I took someone with me that was a good support and that would emotionally be there for me. So, yeah, that was important. <laughs> <laughs> says, what happens if I can't forgive someone? Uh, it says, try practicing empathy. Try seeing the situation from the other person's point of view. Ask yourself why he or she would behave in such a way. Perhaps you would have reacted similarly if you faced the same situation. Reflect on times you've hurt others and those who've forgiven you. Write in a journal, pray, or use guided meditation, or talk with a person you've found to be wise and compassionate, such as a spiritual leader, mental health provider, or an impartial loved one or friend. Uh, and be aware that forgiveness is a process, and even small hurts may need to be revisited and forgiven over and over again. I think you've talked about this process of forgiveness a lot today, right? It's not an event. It's more of like a decision and a process following that decision. Yeah. And it it's, I mean, I don't know, this probably has been from recovery, but for me, a lot of the, the wrongs that people do that I could easily have done, like those are pretty easy for me to deal with. It's the shit that I wouldn't, the unfairness of the universe mm. kind of ideas that 
get me. Like I would never abuse someone or I can say I wouldn't ever. I haven't ever and can't imagine myself doing that. I realize in different situations we are all capable of doing almost anything. So in the right situation, but, right. you know, as far as like, you know, using and neglecting kids or any of those things, like it's so hard for me to see myself doing those things. And so when I see people do it, those are issues that are a little more difficult for me to mm. forgive. <laughs> right. You know, the little stuff seems easier <laughs> for myself. I'm sure it's different for other people. but Yeah, it can get tricky. It can get tricky. It's really hard sometimes to put yourself in somebody else's position when they've had slightly different programming, you know what I mean, throughout their childhood. Like, depending on how we feel and our reaction to different events and our our fight or flight or freeze responses going off in our body, like, it, to me, it's tricky because I have to imagine something similar but not the same. Because like you said, like, I can't imagine some of these things that people do, and yet there are definitely things people <laughs> that I do that I'm like, I know other people cannot imagine this shit. <laughs> like, so right. It's more like trying to make these, and, and not putting it in levels, right? Because I can be yeah. like, well, there's just so much worse than the kind of shit I do. And I'm like, eh, like, we're all doing shit. Like, we're all capable. And I think for myself, sometimes I really just have to kind of chalk it up to like life is life and bad shit happens and yeah i don't do that yeah i i mean i just have to put some things into that category you know mm. what i mean like this because if not i stay stuck on trying to figure out the whys and what ifs and all the reasons behind right. and i'm not really looking at the healing and the moving forward and getting better you know i'm stuck in the why and i know in addiction that's where I was stuck for a long time. You know what I mean? Why do I keep doing these things? Why do I feel this way? Why, why, why? And then when I came to recovery this last time, I finally just went, doesn't fucking matter. You're an addict. That's all you need to know is that. Hmm. Start there and then you can move forward on the work. And now I'm able to go back and look at different things, my childhood traumas and stuff like that and see how they affect different reasons. And our science behind addiction is a little better now. So we know, you know, a little more right. about the whys. But when I was stuck so much in the why, I was had less energy to focus on the what I should be doing to get better. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. And I think forgiveness can fall into that. If I'm too hung up on why or what or how, it's like, am I focused on the right things of healing and moving forward? Right, right. I was actually going to argue with you, but that makes sense. So I'm not going to now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be like, no, that's terrible. It's bypassing. We did an episode <laughs> on that, Billy. But but no, I think if you're doing it with the intent of just trying to get into the, the you know, moving forward and then... With the understanding that, like, I might have to revisit this from time to time to kind of work on some more pieces of it as I'm able. And that's something maybe that's also like going back to that polyvagal theory episode. Like, I don't think we're going to find forgiveness from a, a nervous system state of, you know, sympathetic energy or that bottom of the ladder feeling of like that depressed nervous system. I don't think forgiveness comes in those states. So we do have to work our way to like this calm connected feeling with the world before we can even get to an idea of wanting to forgive and so maybe that's part of what you're describing there it's like when i'm stuck in that nervous system reaction of like still angry and irritable and shit like i need to find a way to get past that before i can be in this better place to look back at it a little differently hmm. yeah so this goes on to say you know forgiveness does not guarantee reconciliation and it does not the point of forgiveness is not to get the other person to change. 
uh, because the point of forgiveness is to change your life by bringing peace, happiness, and emotional and spiritual healing. So that doesn't matter if the other person changes. And there are some, some different steps. One method is this reach method. Recall is the R in reach. The first step is to recall the wrongdoing in an objective way. So trying to, again, I think this is part of where we talk about step four in the resentment list, or if you're just going to journal about this, this is where you're writing it down because we can get that more objective view of the actual facts of the situation instead of all the feelings we're feeling. I would caution and say, maybe you need to write first to get rid of the feelings, like write all the feelings out and then try to attempt to write the objective fact view because sometimes like all those feelings are just so strong and getting them out in like a, a letter you're never going to send to the person or whatever can be a good practice. But recall, it's not about thinking of the person in a negative light nor wallowing in self-pity, but get a clear understanding of what wrong was actually done. Empathize is the E in reach. Try to understand the other person's point of view regarding why he or she hurt you without minimizing or downplaying the wrong that was done. But trying to see, was this actually personal, like a personal attack against me? Or was this just, I was like an innocent bystander or someone, you know, unintended consequence of the action? A is altruistic gift. This step is about addressing your own shortcomings. Recall a time when you treated someone harshly and were forgiven. How did it make you feel? Recognizing this helps you realize that forgiveness is an altruistic gift that you can give to others. Uh, the C in reach is commit. Commit yourself to forgive. For instance, write about your forgiveness in a journal or a letter that you don't send or tell a friend. This helps with the decisional side of forgiveness. And then the H in reach is hold. Finally, hold on to your forgiveness. This step is tough because memories of the event will often recur. Forgiveness is not an erasure. Rather, it's about changing your reaction to these memories. Hmm. That's pretty interesting because... What it immediately made me realize is that I guess I'm more at the hold phase of some of that stuff now than the actual forgiveness phase. Like I've worked to do the forgiveness and now I'm more at the hold because those things come up, you know, different situations come up in your life that might remind you of that past harm or something to come up with, you know, my daughter that can remind me, oh, does this have something to do with, you know, her being abused and you know, things come up in your life in that whole phase. I have to remind myself like, yeah, we, we worked on this. We forgave this. So that was interesting. All right. Let's do a quiz, Billy. Okay. All right. You ready? I'm going to, I'm going to grade it based on your answers. <sighs> Would you be able to forgive your best friend for accidentally running over your pet? Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Seems brutal. You think so? Oh yeah. I feel like there's definitely people that would not. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that would be easy. I mean, as long as you didn't be like, yeah, fuck your dog. <laughs> then maybe not. But if it was like leaving the house and accidentally, yeah. Peels wheels, leaving away with his middle <laughs> right, finger out. Right. Like, fuck that dog. He licked me. Right. Your dog bit me, so I ran him over. <laughs> uh, your brother begs to be the one to record your wedding, but forgets, forgets to press the record button the entire time. Would you keep bringing it up years later? Um, I feel like I would jokingly. Yeah, at least that's hard because I feel like I would bring it up jokingly or sarcastically, and but I does don't. That mean we haven't forgiven? Yeah, a little. So I have almost the opposite story. So we and we weren't hired to be the wedding people. Some friends of ours got married, and we had a video camera, and they're like, "Oh, can you bring your video camera? You know, we'll video." And and we did. We videoed the wedding and the whole thing, and. Not as official videographers or anything, but 
I thought we gave them the, they were on little mini CDs, and they said we never did, and they never got the mini CDs of their wedding. Huh. So Damn. Did they forgive you? <laughs> I don't, the guy died. So uh, now so I feel really let's terrible. Say no. Yeah. <laughs> See, I feel like after he dies, you're off the hook. You're like, ah, eh, fuck it, it's over now. <laughs> I'm going to put no. Yeah. Let's just see. Um, yeah, no, I'd say no. Your partner buys your regular lottery ticket but gets the numbers wrong. You win $10 instead of $10 million. Can you forgive him or her? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's fucking brutal. I mean, could I forgive? Yeah, I think I could forgive, but there would always be that, ah, oh, what if? Like, I would God. be stuck there. I don't know that I would be angry about it, but... I would totally be angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be bitter. I don't know about angry. I'd be fucking bitter. Yeah. Wow, that was a tough mm, one. I didn't yeah. expect that. Whew. That is tough. Your spouse tells you about a brief affair he or she had many years ago and asked for forgiveness. You also had an indiscretion that you never disclosed. What do you do? So you got accept the apology and maybe even admit to my own affair. Make him or her suffer for a while and then let it go. Get revenge or end the relationship. Uh, probably the first one was the first one. I guess. Accept the apology and maybe even admit my own affair. Yeah, I'd probably do that. I <laughs> like maybe even admit my own affair. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> like, I'm probably just going to make him feel right. shitty about it for a while. <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to ride that wave for a little while. I, I would bet, honestly, I don't know about today, but... Most of my life, I'm probably the make her suffer for a while and then let it go. <laughs> I never tell about my own. I'm like, eh, I'll just keep that. <laughs> I feel like I got the upper hand a little bit. Your parents tell you you're adopted, something they have hidden your entire life. What do you do? Tell them it's okay. Arrange for counseling to repair the damage. Cut ties with them forever. Probably the second one. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know why. Like, I... I feel like this adoption thing comes up randomly from time to time with me. Yeah. I don't ever feel like it would matter, but it seems like everyone who goes through it, it matters. But it's hard to yeah, picture. I'm I like, think it wouldn't matter why would either, I give a fuck? but, <laughs> you know. They showed up and loved me. Why would I care? <laughs> I don't know. But I think some of that comes from dealing with a lot of people in addiction and seeing the bad parenting situations and neglect and abuse and just the fact that you have two people that love you is fuck that's something to be grateful for right how about the person you consider your best friend wins two separate free trips to hawaii but doesn't invite you do you end the friendship no i don't know <laughs> i'll mark no for you but it really depends they win two separate free trips and don't take me on either i might be a, that might be it for us Definitely never taken them to Hawaii. As a joke, one of your close friends emails your parents a video of you drunk. Do you forgive your friend? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't care. I mean, seeing yeah. me drunk would probably be one of the better things my parents have seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like that would matter either. I wonder if that's an age one. Yeah. You find out that your father wants to use your apartment to cheat on your mother. He swears it'll never happen again. Do you take away his keys? What? <laughs> Like, I guess he's got yeah, keys to your apartment. Picture this whole scenario. Right, right. That was a lot. It's like, I have an apartment. My your father cheats on you in it. your apartment while a monkey <laughs> right. sits on the roof of the apartment. And then a bird so, flies by due west at 100 right. miles per hour. So my dad had an affair in he, my apartment. Why is it got to yeah. be in my apartment? I guess he had a key in that provided location. Yeah. That's awful specific. Um, I'd totally do it. So it doesn't seem that specific. So <laughs> Like this makes sense. Yeah. It's a free apartment. So what's your choices? What's yes or no? Do you take away his keys? 
Do I take away his key? Probably not take away his keys. I don't know. Do you set a boundary? Depends on why he's got the keys in the first place. I mean. Oh, he might be coming over to feed your dog. You might right, have to. Right, I might need other key. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you keep feeding the dog. Quit fucking people. And my- <laughs> Are you upset by it? Yeah, I think I would be upset by it. Huh. Okay. I'm just curious. I mean, I don't know that I would, like, hate him forever or whatever, but, I mean, I think I would be able to move past it. I just think I would be upset by it. Have you ever told your partner you've forgiven him or her for something, but then secretly took revenge anyway? That's interesting. I don't know secretly took revenge. I know there's stuff that I say I've forgiven that comes up and I choose not to practice forgiveness at the Mm. time. Like, I'll be re-mad about it. I'll say yes. So, okay. yeah. So, that sounds like it. Just to make it interesting. Yeah. You overhear your significant other tell his or her friends that he or she loves you more than anyone, but that you're really not good in bed. Can you forgive your partner? Yeah, but that's because I'm self-deprecating and I would just beat myself up for it all the time. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, that would be hard to forgive them that they told other people and couldn't tell me. Hmm. Like, you couldn't come tell me that I sucked and have us work towards getting better? Like, especially if everything else in the relationship is good, why can't you come fucking tell me? Why are you telling everybody else first? Yeah, and I wonder how long into the relationship that would matter. Hmm. I feel like the longer it was, the worse it would be. Right. That's what I was thinking. God, we've been here 20 years having (laughs) bad sex. You're just now telling me. (laughs) (laughs) So your score is 85. Forgiveness comes easily to you. You're a turn-the-other-cheek kind of person. There you go, Billy. You seem to have an open, accepting heart and won't judge others harshly, even when they royally mess up. Doesn't necessarily mean that you let everyone get away with thoughtlessly hurting you. You are simply willing to put the pain behind you and offer people a chance at redemption. You recognize that we're all flawed, everyone needs compassionate, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, and I think that's close to the person that I want to be. I mean, that's... It definitely sounds like how you described yourself before we started. I was like, yeah, that's spot on. I wasn't... I mean, most of my life, I wasn't like that at all. You know, I was very resentful and angry and bitter at the world. And I just living that way got me to the point of wanting to kill myself, thinking that was the best I could do with my life and thinking life was this cold, hard place where nobody cared and all that other shit. And if that's what I'm looking for, that's what I'll find. You know, mm. if that's I think that's how some of this works. It's like if I am trying to be forgiving and practicing forgiveness in my life, I'll see the areas that people are doing that for me, you know, or or we can talk about, you know, harms that I've caused with people and, and find forgiveness. But the truth is, if people aren't forgiving me, most of the time, I don't fucking know it anyway. They just don't right. talk to me or they stay angry at me in their own head. And I don't suffer for that at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, I get it. I get it. I think uh, just in light of some, this is something I've been doing in my practice lately. And and the fact that it seems to somewhat apply here, this idea of self-compassion being so linked to forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. The more space I have to allow myself to be human and flawed and fail, the more I'm going to have that space for everyone else as well. Kind of, and we've mentioned this idea, like we treat others the way we talk to ourselves in our heads. And and what I've been doing lately with people is really trying to have them recognize and raise awareness around how often the the concept of should comes up in their thinking, right? I should have been doing that. I should have done this yesterday. I should be doing this thing right now instead of sitting on my couch. I have to do this. I really need to get that done. These are all kind of the same concept, right? For me, they all come from a mysterious they, right? <laughs> because that's who's saying we should be 
working on our kitchen instead of sitting on our couch on any given Sunday. Or that's who's saying we should be doing this chore instead of relaxing on our leisure time. The goal is every time you realize that that thought is going on in your head, this should, have to, or need, evaluating like, okay, that's what they think. What do I really want? And making a statement of preference about what's really best for you right then. And look, maybe that agrees with what they say, right? Maybe maybe your statement of preference is, I really do want to get the kitchen done instead of sitting on the couch today. I'd like to have it done. I want to feel better tomorrow about it being finished. Maybe your statement is, ah, you know, I kind of had a tough weekend. I really just want to lay around today. I can get to that next weekend. But it's moving away from what they think I should be doing and moving towards what I would prefer. What do I want in this situation? And I feel like that's a place that's going to cultivate self-compassion. And so maybe along those lines, in allowing ourselves to not be perfect, we can cultivate more forgiveness for other people. I don't know. I just thought maybe it's a useful practice. Yeah, that's and it perfectly reminded me of this saying I came across. I don't know why, because I'm not a big sayings guy, but it was from Dr. Martin Luther King. I'm going to read it. It says, he who is devoid of power to forgive is devoid of the power of love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Hmm. Well, there it is. And, and you know, that reminds me <laughs> of one of the, there was a meditation I was doing at one point. And it was talking about this situation where there happened to be a uh, one of the, the mass shootings. And it was talking about a teacher, a professor, really, who had, like, tried to hold the door closed while this gunman was trying to get in from the other side. And it said in the meditation to try to recognize that as a human, we are all three of the people involved in this scenario. We're the scared student sitting in the classroom. We're the professor that's the hero trying to keep them students safe. And we're the gunman trying to get in to like lose our minds. I don't know something about that practice. And, and I don't know that I think it was just the right timing for my life. I truly felt like, yeah, I really could be any one of those three people, depending on the moment you catch me in. Right. I have like lost my mind in anger and done things that I never thought I would do. So why wouldn't I be capable of also this further extreme version of that? And why wouldn't I be capable of also trying to protect people I cared about? And of course I'm the scared person in the seat, right? Like, I don't know. I just really like that concept, like anything that anyone is capable of. And you said something that kind of alluded to that earlier. Like I too am also capable of that given the right circumstances. And I just, yeah. I like thinking like that. It makes me feel more connected to everybody and more understanding. Yeah, and I first came across that concept with they did some, you know, studies and stuff on a lot of the guards or whatever that worked in the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And, you know, probably a year before, if you'd interviewed any of those people and said, hey, would you be able to, like, mass slaughter a bunch of people just based on their religion? You'd be like, fuck no. Right. Like, what are you talking like, That's crazy. You know, like, we would never do that. But then just the way that situation played out and then they find themselves amongst their peers and their peers are doing it or their superiors are doing it or they're right. telling them that's what they got to do. Maybe they're fearing for their own life. If they don't do it, they're going to get killed. Whatever, you know, goes into that. And all of a sudden you're fucking mass murdering people and that's your daily job. And right. like most of us wouldn't conceive that that, oh no, I would do something different. But I'm like, would I don't you? know. Right? right. If I was in that situation, right. I don't right. know what I would do. 
So I don't, I don't think I have anything uh, left. I think that's forgiveness, man. It's a process. We practice it. Uh, there's a lot of benefits for us. We're definitely the ones that are stuck when we're not forgiven and feeling the pain of it. You got anything left to add? Uh, no, the only other minorly interesting thing that I found was that, you know, forgiveness is a little harder to do than actually thinking of like revenge or vengeance. Like those things come as a more immediate mm. response. Like I get revenge. I immediately feel better. Right. Um, and so as addicts, like we're kind of prone to that instant gratification, <laughs> instant right. relief of, you know, oh, I did this and now I feel better. So that's what <laughs> I'm going to do. Whereas the forgiveness piece takes a little more work mm. and it takes a little more uncomfortable feelings and takes a little more like maybe not getting what we want out of the situation and just coming to peace with it. That's harder for us addicts to do sometimes. So. Ooh. Mm. So if you want to do the harder thing or the the better thing, if you're one of those self-righteous people like me, you might buy <laughs> into right. this. Well, you know, I'm just so much better than everyone doing my forgiveness <laughs> over here, even though it's the harder option. Right. Uh, so yeah. much better than you. <laughs> right, right. You know, if you want to low-key think you're better than everyone else, forgive people. Um, <laughs> now, so go out there, practice forgiveness. I hope you have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.